Hey everybody, this is Flavio Romeo and this is episode 6 of the Towncast. Uh, it's a really cool episode today because we had the chance to meet up with the master blender uh, of a new Irish whiskey that came out. He happens to, to live in, in Hawthorne and a, and a special shout out to Paul at Mail and More in Glenrock who put me in touch with this guy. Uh, he's the master blender of the Fighting 69th Regiment Irish Whiskey. And I have to tell you, I'm not a whiskey guy, but this is a really smooth, smooth drink. There's a special tasting that's coming up. If you want to check it out, it's coming up on February 11th, this Friday, at Goffle Road Liquors, right in Hawthorne, right on Goffle Road. Uh, they're going to be doing a tasting from 4 to 7. So if you want to check it out, check it out then. Uh, you'll get a chance to meet Chris. You could talk to him about it. And, and the cool thing is the history of the Fighting 69th Regiment. The 69th Regiment dates back to the Civil War era, and, and Chris gets into that in the episode. Uh, and, and coming up next week, Valentine's Day, we're going to be releasing the, the video and the audio uh, of when we interviewed the O'Hagan family, talking about the new book that, that Tom Gorman wrote called I Called Her Mary, which is a, uh, a biography, uh, autobiography, because it was co-written by, by Margaret O'Hagan. And for those of you that know the O'Hagan family, uh, Glenrock and in Hawthorne, uh, it's just a, a, a tremendous family, just a, a great history with that family in town and, and all that they've done and all that they've done to help the communities, both communities. Uh, so I really encourage you to keep an eye out for that. March 20th, at Shortways is going to be the book signing. So a lot of these announcements. Make sure if you don't subscribe to YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, the Towncast YouTube channel. And uh, that way when it comes out, you'll get an alert. And make sure you like and subscribe on, on Instagram and on, on Facebook and all that, that other stuff. So enjoy the episode, everybody. All right, everybody, here we are. We are right on Diamond Bridge Ave. Listen, I'm going to be stuttering because you'll understand in a little while. <laughs> we're, on Diamond, we're at Diamond Bridge Ave. We're at Blackjack Mulligans. And I got to tell you, just spending some time with our next guest has been unbelievable. The, the education I received, the, the beverages that, that we're, we're uh, enjoying right now, this is, and I, I, I didn't even know this. I didn't even know this type of person existed. I've got with me. I've got Chris Leskowitz. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. And Chris Leskowitz lives in Hawthorne, and is a master blender, and and we're going to explain all that. But uh, he he's the master blender for for an Irish whiskey called the Fighting Sixty Ninth. And I got to tell you, I, I'm not a whiskey guy. I don't. I don't. I'm not a brown guy. I, I like clear. And but when I when I was asked, I, I went out of my way to sample this because when I first heard about Chris that he lived in town, he was a master blender. Not knowing what a master blender was, I had to try it. And I have to tell you, Chris, this is one of the smoothest whiskeys. You know, where you're not spending you know four hundred, five hundred dollars a bottle. That I've ever tasted. It's phenomenal. No, thank you. It's it's designed that way uh, on purpose. Um, one of as, as Flavia knows that uh, the whiskey is done. The 69th is actually a National Guard unit in New York City, um, and it's mainly primarily of first responders, uh, cops, firemen, 
uh, first responders. And Were they involved in 9-11? Yeah, well, actually, when 9-11 hit, their uh, commander back then, he actually called them in, and they were the first ones to go down. The, uh, the governor wasn't particularly happy at the moment, but the uh, commander said, you don't know what's going on. They went down. They did everything down there to organize in the very beginning, and the armory... Um, has been u was used by everyone to try to find their loved ones. It um, it's got unbelievable memories. But these guys respond. They take care of us, whether we're from New York, New Jersey, or as long as we're as actually Americans and we live here, they take care of us. So the idea is to do this whiskey for them. There's a long story behind it. Yeah, what what's what is the history of the fighting '69? I know you told me, and but I I, I want to hear it again because this time I want to record it. I want to keep this. What? How far back? Does the fighting 69th go? Uh, let's let's go back to 1864, and um, they were they were forming a, a state militia, state uh, regiment, um, to go against the uh, the South. They knew that was going to be coming up, so they were as the Irish came off the boats in New York. Uh, women and children, welcome to America. Men, welcome to America. Sign this paper, and oh, by the way, you're drafted. Just like that. Just like that. Oh, we need fighters. Come we, on in. That was it. You know, God bless. We have a, we have a nice blue suit for you. So um, <laughs> they put these guys together, and they trained them. And uh, it was the 69th. And they were in, actually, from the very first battle of the Civil War, Bull Run. And they were in Antietam. They were in Fredericksburg. They were in Gettysburg. All different battles. And they fought so hard against the Confederacy that, actually, Robert E. Lee gave them their nickname. They called them the Fighting Irish, the Fighting 69th. Was, was that their regiment number? Was it 69th 69th from the very beginning, right. Wow. And they, it maintains it 1864. 1864. Uh, it was an interesting time because at, at that point the Irish in Ireland were, um, the, the Irish Catholics were fighting the Irish Protestants for the right to fight the British. And a gentleman named Thomas Francis Marr created the tricolor flag. Uh, the green was for the Irish Catholics, the orange was for the Protestants, and the white between it in the middle was for the peace to come between them. That's where the colors came from? And that's those, where the those came, really? Exactly for that. So they could then unite and fight against the, the British. Uh, obviously, the British were not so happy with this idea. I would imagine. And they, plus, the, plus, the British flag is a lot more complicated. <laughs> oh, no. anyway, they, they caught Thomas Francis Moore. He's from Waterford. And they, they were going to have him drawn and quartered. Nice way of getting justice. But uh, Queen Victoria back then, she said, no, no, take him with the other bad Irish and we'll ship him down to Australia. So somehow he went from Ireland to England and he went down to uh, as far as Tasmania, which back then was Australia. And he got loose and made his way to New York. This guy traveled, i got to tell you. And he got to New York and he became part of the, the regiment. Because he was well known, uh, they made him an immediate colonel. And he rose through. And as the war started up, he came up and became a general. And he fought all the way through, and there's a lot more to the, the 60th than that, but he fought his way through, lasted throughout the war, and ended up becoming the governor of Montana. He be, how did he become the governor of Montana? How did he end up in Montana? I, 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 I guess he must have slept too long on the subway. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he, became he didn't get off the cart. And, and after all that, he somehow disappeared to this day. I'm not sure. He, he fell off the back. Well, he, he disappeared off the back of a riverboat. And the story goes, they weren't sure whether he had too much to drink. He was killed by a Brit, a Confederate, or a political opponent. Or, or, or I, all of them. All, all of the above. Or maybe, but, um, wow. 
And at Billings, Montana, there is a statue of him on a horse outside the Capitol building. Um, anyway, in in Ireland, each year they are like we have Flag Day in the United States. They have a tricolor celebration there. So up by Waterford, the last weekend in June, uh, they celebrate this whole piece where he came from. And it's funny, all the American, the American Irish go over there and they celebrate tricolor. But the Irish don't go to it. The Irish all go to Billings, Montana. Uh, no one seems <laughs> to want to stay where they're supposed to be. But um, it's gone through. And the 69th has uh, done that. Now, because of that, the 69th also, um, from long withstanding tradition, um, they have led the St. Patrick's Day Parade for the last 171 years. Now, we don't, we don't realize nowadays, but back then the Irish were, were held in very low esteem. And um, they were worried that the, the parade marchers uh, would be attacked by the onlookers. I mean, the, the parade had been going on since the, before the Revolutionary War. So they asked the 69th to lead the parade and protect the, uh, the marchers, and they did, and nothing happened. So uh, in the old tradition, if it works, don't fix it. They've right. been the same So they've thing. been doing it for over 170 years. 170, yeah, 172 yeah. years this year. So um, they go out, they lead the parade very first, and then behind them will be the parade committee, followed by the honorees and the, uh, the parade people. So it went on. Uh, two years ago, as you know, with the COVID, the night before this, the parade, they canceled it. And they were worried about um, everybody being okay. But at the last second, the governor uh, in Albany, because they only can release the, the uh, National Guard unit, said it's okay. And they took the, the officers, went out early in the morning with the parade committee, and they marched up to St. Patrick's Cathedral, where a priest came out and gave them a blessing. And they went back, so that way they wouldn't lose the tradition of 170 years. Wow, because of COVID. I mean, 170 years. It's never been canceled. Never been, never, and they've led it for 170 years. So now, then last year, it was for first responders only. So that, that point, it was the 69th was again in it. Again, obviously, it was a much smaller group, followed by the parade committee. But this year, because it was first responders, the head of the police department, the fire department, the medical, sanitation, Mayor de Blasio, and a few others, they marched, <laughs> they marched up, and they, uh, they did this whole special piece. But they wanted to maintain that tradition. Um, it's there. It's made this year. It's going to hopefully happen. They're going to have a gentleman named Mr. Callahan. He's going to. He's going to be the. It's going to be his third time as the as the Grand Parade Marshal. Right, because the, the last two times they the didn't last have two one, times right? canceled. <laughs> but uh, they look forward to it. It's a. It's a great parade. It's the biggest one in the world. How many? Uh, are, how many are in the 69th Regiment? Now? You have about 1,100 people normally, and uh, to this day, you know, as I said, it's mainly New York City cops, firemen first responders, um, and they're not just Irish, they're all different nationalities. Uh, but, but they're keeping the tradition going. The tradition, oh, traditions always. As uh, Father, there's a gentleman in Chaplin, Father Duffy, which is Times Square, uh, he says, when you're in the 69th, you automatically become Irish, either by desire or whatever, <laughs> but you're, you're there, and they're all, and they're just, they're all one. They are comrades in arms, and uh, they are all over the country, all over the world, they're, they're pretty amazing. Uh, they were in war they were in Civil War. They were in World War One over in France. Um, Wild Bill Donovan, who founded this the OSS, the CIA, he is from them. Uh, Wait, Joyce Wild Kilt. Bill Donovan, yeah, was a member of the 69th. 69th. He's the one that founded the CIA. He founded the OSS, which became the CIA. Right, right. right. He's the father. He's considered the father of the CIA. Uh, father Duffy, Joyce Kilmer, poet. Um, who wrote some different pieces. He was part of the 16th. He was actually killed soon afterwards in, in France by a sniper. And they went on from there, but they came back. And then they were in World War II in the Pacific and the uh, Battle of Macon. And they went through in the different parts and they came through. And then 
Uh, it was kind of easy, not easy, but they maintained. And then they were over in um, Afghanistan, Kuwait. Uh, you assign different parts to it. Uh, interesting histories, as I, I told Flavio before, is that um, the the Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, uh, there was a chaplain in the 69th of the Civil War, and um, he came through, and they got to Gettysburg. They thought for sure they were going to be wiped out. Yeah. So the men asked for a blessing, and the, the chaplain, um, he stood up on a boulder, put his hand out, stretched, and he gave this mass blessing. What was his name? His name was uh, Father Corby. So Father Corby uh, gave the blessing, and when the battle, they, and they fought a little round top. They did fairly well. They did fairly well, you know, tough, but they got through. And uh, so when the war was over, the church reassigned Father Corby back to where he came from. Place called Indiana, back to his alma mater, place <laughs> called Notre Dame. And he became the third president of Notre Dame. And he was a member of the Fighting Irish, the Fighting Scene, and that's where the name came from. So the, so the, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame came from the, the fight, the Fighting 69th? Fighting, fighting 69th, Fighting Irish, from Father Courtney, yeah. If you go to Notre Dame or watch Notre Dame football on the outside of the church, it's right next to the stadium, you can see the... Uh, famous touchdown Jesus is a giant mosaic of Christ <laughs> with his arms outstretched. That's holding a touchdown. So that's one part. Then on campus, there's a statue of, because uh, Catholic campus, a statue of, of uh, Moses parting the Red Sea with his arm outstretched with one finger. He's better known as First Down Moses. <laughs> uh, then there's a Corby Hall, which would you expect for the president? It's Corby Hall. And there's a statue of him there with his arm outstretched. It's the same statue that they have in Gettysburg. And with his arm out trip to the handle, but that is better known as first down. I mean, it's fair, fair catch Corby to this day. So um, <laughs> the Irish go into it. You know, that's actually, the, the Notre Dame has one of the biggest followings. They have building the most, uh, they have over 41 million followers. Yeah, it's amazing. They are bigger than most sport franchises. They are amazing to this yeah, day, but yeah. it goes on and on. Loyal, loyal fans. Yeah. But it's like these, it's like the fighting, it's like the fighting 69th. I mean, I, I, I the fact that they've been around since, 1847. Middle of the 1800s. Mm -hmm. and, and still keep the tradition going. You know, what was amazing, when, we, when they called off that parade two years ago, the next day, all these gentlemen were called up. They were deployed. They went all around New York and Long Island. They were the ones administering the tests, giving out food. Oh, is that right? And these guys, although they lived near home, most of them couldn't go back to their homes for yeah. almost a year because of the fact of the COVID and they were worried about the families. So they were deployed at home. But they did. They gave up millions of meals. They did everything in the world to take care of us. And and when when somebody buys a bottle of the Fighting 69th, I know that there's something on the label that talks about a little give back. Yeah, that that's one of the the best parts. Is actually the the whiskey is not is done for the tr for the trust. Uh, it's a legal point that you can't give it to an active unit. But what we do is we give money back to the trust. Um, Ever since before we did the first bottle, before COVID ever hit. When did the first bottle come out? It came out in the fall, October 2019. Wow, so it's very recent. Very recent. And uh, the decision was made that we give a dollar a bottle back to the historical trust for the welfare of the families and troops and the historical trust in perpetuity. Not just for a short period of time for Flash and the Pen, but we give this out for forever. And it's, it's done for the welfare of the families. And, you know, it, one of the best things is um, seeing when they, they write these checks for the families, whether it's for need, for scholarship, 
but it's to take care of those that really take care of us. I think we need to do that back more and more. So it's it's a great piece to it. I love um, that. They're still active. And you know what? That doesn't get lost, of course, to, to a lot of people um, to do that. I think it's it's one of the best things I learned to do when I started the liquor industry about uh, 30 years ago. 30, I, think it's 30, <laughs> I think it's 35 years ago, but... Um, Time flies when you have them. Oh, you started when you were 10 years old, obviously. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. My, my <laughs> wife had not been born yet, another 15 years. Um, so it does well, but we, we give back to it. And well, and, and so I tell you guys, there's not a lot of this. I know there are, there are some liquors that are out there now that if you buy a bottle, they give back. There's some veterans' liquors, and I love that. So, so the fact that, that any bottle you buy, and I'm going to tell you, guys, you can get it at Beekman's in Glenrock. You can get it at Diamond Liquors. You can get it at Golfer Road Liquors. They all carry it. And then we're going to shout out some of the restaurants right in town that also serve it right here at Blackjack Mulligan's, which is why we, we, we decided to come here. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to talk to Dave, and I'm going to talk to Roy, and I'm going to ask why the Celtic Corner does not carry something called the Fighting 69th Irish Whiskey. I'm going to have, my, I'm going to have that conversation with them. Uh, so how did you, wh- where did you grow up? What part of Jersey? I, I, actually, I grew up in River Edge. Um, back when, back when Paramus was still the celery capital of the United States. <laughs> well, that was like 1892, right? Oh, yeah. You know, we, we, I, Stanley Steamer and I were like, we were friends. But it, was, it was back when, and uh, 208 was a two-lane road. Right. It was you just know, a two. It, it was horse country. <laughs> it was horse country. People used That's to, true. It used to stop at Maple Ave. There was nothing beyond that. It, it was it, it was tough there. back then. So I've been around a long time. I lived out in California for a while. Um, my my dad is that where you went to school? You went to school in California. I went to school in California. Where'd I you go to school? I was at Stanford. I was over over at Riverdale and uh, no, Riverdale. I was over Bergen Catholic. When you were at uh, at Stanford, were you studying political science, economics, alcohol, whiskey? <laughs> I, actually, I political was, science. I was raised. My my father was a big. Uh, he liked wine way back when, and I was raised with wine. And then I ended up. Uh, teaching wine in California. Every Catholic is raised with wine. Well, <laughs> well some people uh, back then they wouldn't. Yes, back back then they wouldn't give us access to the chalice. Although I was an altar boy, we used to <laughs> we used to pour it for the priest early. So you never got, took a sip at uh, come on. Uh, every every altar boy took a sip at some point. Uh, that wine was so sweet. <laughs> and it was always cold, and it was six thirty in the morning. Nobody oh, nobody told you it was Concord Grape by Manischewitz. Uh, <laughs> something like that. So it was a lot of fun, but. Uh, yeah, I grew up locally. It was this county has changed a little bit in the last uh, 50, 60 years. A little bit, yeah, to say the least. You know? so, so you studied political science. How did you end up? What did you do after college? That that did, I, I ended up I ended up doing some working in, in restaurants and bars for a while, and uh, in California, I came back here. I, I came back to visit my family. I hadn't been back in a long time. And I ended up getting caught in family family business or. Um, and stayed back here, so I had a good time with it. And I, um, I ended up. I used to pop corks for a while. I had were you Somali? Were you Somali? Somali, but it, it wasn't when oh, they had so the I'm, I'm training. Not, he's correcting me. Somali, Somali, you know. <laughs> so um, it, was, it was. I we knew a lot about wine, but it wasn't as fancy as it gets nowadays, or as um, so many things that's supposed to be happening. But it was good, and we opened up a lot of stuff. And then it ended up. It's funny is that I had. Uh, Four different people wanted to hire me, but they all wanted to hire me for the liquor industry. I couldn't figure that out. Really? But uh, yeah, and uh, I ended up working for a guy named Michelle Rue. It's because was, of your great investment in the liquor industry well, <laughs> growing up. Oh, <laughs> uh, something like that. So it, it worked out good. And then um, over time, I met some. Uh, I was working with Clearly because actually I was working with uh, vodkas. I was working with tequilas. 
uh, some cognacs. And then I met some other people along the way. And uh, it was decided that I had a, a palate. Um, and, palate um, for, for wines palate, or palate, palate, just in well, general? I, can, I, I like, I mean, I, I, when I taste wines, when you, know, you, when you taste wines, actually, you look at, you smell them. And you, you look at the legs, and the tasting only confirms what you've already figured out. Right. So, the so the, and the legs, the legs is when you, when you swirl it around yeah. a little bit, it's the dripping slowly how, the shape on the of side. Those legs and so how they what break. Is it, what is it you want? Do you want slower drips? Do you want faster? It's just a fingerprint. It tells you what's been done to it or what hasn't been done to it. Okay. And uh, same thing can be done with uh, spirits. Uh, not so much liquors because they have so much sugar in them. Right. But uh, you can you can smell and taste everything, and as I said, the, the taste only confirms what you're doing. So um, I was doing that, and, and, and you could you had your palate. You just were born with this palate that can taste things. I, I can yeah, I can pick things up. I guess yeah, you know, and I, I, I even by the smell. Oh, the smell's the big part to me. So it's not just the palate, like tasting tasting oh, something in your mouth. If, if I get it cold, I'm not working. Right. <laughs> yeah, I remember. You know, and 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 you know. Everybody, everybody in the country is getting COVID, but I know you got hit with COVID, and and you were feeling better. But during that time, you you had said to me, he "Goes, I'm out of commission. I can't do anything. I can't smell anything. Can't taste anything. <laughs> That's horrible." So it's it's kind of scary. So it's um, it's there. But anyway, I, I can smell and taste it. But I mean, it's certain parts. I can I can do, I can do some spirits. I can do vodka in half, like thirty seconds or less. Really? But I'm not really interested. By in smell. Vodka. Oh yeah, smell and smell and look and look at it. I can tell you if it's been cut with certain things, whatever's been done to it. That's pretty. There's imp- when you distill, there's impurities that are left behind, uh, aldehydes, fusel oils, other parts, hyoids, and you can oh, smell those and identify. You had, you had me at fusel oil. Okay, not fuel oil, <laughs> fusel oil. That's, a, that's something I, I smell that. And I think of a hangover or something of just beating my kidney and liver with a with a crowbar. We'll do the same thing. So, um, and some people like that, like that feeling of smell. Me, not so much. Um, Oof. So it, it's 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 different. It's, so, so you discovered you had this, and now how do you market that? How do you? I, well, no, people found kind of figured out I had it, and said, "Well, here we're going to have you do some blending." And we used to do a lot of custom blends for different uh, stores and with bourbon and things. And, um, and and what's what 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 does that involve? Like blending? Are you taking other elements, or are you taking other? Yeah, and that's an interesting part. The, you know, the blending is you're matching what the ideal product was, you know, versus creating it. So, um, and I mentioned before, when you, you take something, trees are amazing. Uh, Mother Nature, God is amazing. You can grow, you have to make a barrel. It takes about 70 years to grow a barrel in the white oak. For 70 years to grow a barrel. A big enough to make a, right, to make a barrel, to get the tree big enough. Seventy years. Seventy years. And and from that tree that's grown for seventy years, you make one barrel. Probably one barrel. Yeah. So you can you can take three trees, plant them on the same day if you have the patience and wait seventy years, cut them down on the same day, do everything about it. To you have to let them dry outdoors two different seasons and do this and that. You can make them into barrels on the same day. You can take them to the same distillery on the same morning. You fill them up, you come back three years later, each one tastes different. And they wow. really don't know why. God has his own way of doing things. Wow, and you can grow them in the same soil next to each other, it doesn't matter. Really, the same side, everything. So Amazing. the trick is to, um, the trick, the, the, the aim is to make the, the, the flavor, everything be consistent. 
Right. So you have to be able to. That's the hard part. To you. Yeah, yeah, to me, to me. <laughs> it's almost like a painter. I'm related to art. So it's like a painter. If you want to if you want to make a certain color and you have to mix a little bit of blue, a little bit of yellow, a little bit of, you know, this. You have to figure out the depth of flavor that you're working with to cover. Yeah. And that's the one that people here get confused. There's a master distiller and there's a master blender. So yeah, in the United States, a master distiller does both. And a dis distillation is a science. It's chemistry. So they put that all together, and they, they make it have certain parts of alcohol that comes out. But a master blender is the person that takes those finished products. Think of one of being a paint manufacturer, and the master blender is the guy that takes the paint and puts it on the canvas. So you take it and make it consistent. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of an art, and I really I can't tell you how or why, and you can't teach that part. You can make it parts of it that it's a, a common ground. But it's it's not a science. So, but in Europe treats it differently. Over here we have it one together. But I'm I deal with um, primarily with Irish whiskey. I uh, did a lot of work with Scotch. Uh, I am working on some projects here in the U.S. But uh, more of a consulting basis. I um, go to Kentucky on occasion, other parts of the country. It's interesting. Uh, it gets into barrels. You know, we're talking about these barrels, white oak barrels. Yeah, we're yeah. talking about. If we go to Europe now. We're talking about. Limousin or, or European oak, which grows much, much slower, has a much tighter grain to it, so the evaporation rate is different, the aging process is different. So you have to then kind of blend those all together. And when you blend them, they're not immediately apparent. It may take you four to six weeks to get the flavors to develop that you can find out what the end product's going to be. Four to six weeks? Yeah. Uh, in the barrel? In, no, or, in the bottle. In once, the, you, once, you once you have everything, you take in the pieces and you let them together right you takes it that long before you know what the final product is going to be so it's going to just sit there and, and then you taste it and be like I mean, have you ever have you ever tasted one it's like nah nah that's not good so you, you try to avoid it because the government has their hands on this as soon as you start doing this there's there's tax money involved yeah so you try to you try to avoid <laughs> of course there is you try to avoid mistakes i knew someone that he helped actually uh in kentucky a long time ago he helped get rid of uh I think there were 30,000 barrels, barrels of bad whiskey. And he was how many? 30,000. You don't realize how big they are in Kentucky. And a barrel is, is, is 50 cases of six. So what he was able to do was to, to rate them. Um, but he had a tremendous, tremendous pal, a guy named Lincoln Henderson. So he would give it a 97. What a 97 meant? That you had to add 97 barrels of good whiskey to three barrels of this to offset it. But he was able to use up all that those barrels and that was tax money and and use it all up now, I'm not in that situation right. obviously <laughs> yeah. um, it's, wow. it's amazing you have to be able because once you distill and put it in a barrel you are going to pay money to somebody yeah yeah. as soon as you put it in there you're, you're, it's going to be marketed you're going to sell it yeah and we, we talked about before that things called honey barrels so for some reason um, about 10% of the barrels in Kentucky when they put whiskey into them and they don't know in advance the whiskey is really good Called a honey barrel. Um, when they first made Woodford Reserve, they used old honey barrels. Is they that, that that's another one that I liked? Yeah, I, I so liked that, that was Lincoln Henderson. He came out. That was his last project with Woodford with um, Brown Foreman. But yeah, so it was it was really good. So it, uh, honey barrels, but some barrels also. If you have honey barrels, also you have barrels that are not so good. But you have to be able to use them up. And, um, I'm in a situation overseas that I go and pick out barrels. You do pick them out. Yeah. You pick we, them out. I pick them out 
And um, how do you? I mean, what do you do? How do you? You walk around look at barrels like that. That one looks well, good. Well, they, they put in barrels to me, and I guess if they, they know if it's not a certain quality, not to bring it to me. Yeah, yeah. They know. They know they're going to put it past you. Well, I think that I'm the New Yorker. You know, I come with a wrench and a chain in my pocket. You know, and it's, He's uh, a Leskowitz. <laughs> he's, he's not a McMurphy. Come on. My mother was Irish, in case you're wondering, folks, about that. Yes. Uh, there you go. So, so there's a little Irish. A little Irish. There. I can tell. I can so tell. So anyway, um, you taste them out, and then I want to blend them to be consistent. Um, one thing about a lot of Irish whiskeys, in case you haven't drank them, is they a lot of people complain, that's how I developed this, is that Irish whiskey has bite. Yeah, it does. The entry-level whiskeys normally have bite, where the expensive ones do not. So I, um, from what I had learned from people, I decided to, let's make a whiskey that's uh, smooth, yet it's affordable. So the average troop, like in the National Guard, can afford to can drink afford it. it, doesn't have to wait to a special occasion because it's too expensive. So I put together something that was affordable, Yet, at um, the same time, we could give money back to take care of them. So it's, it's take care of those that take care of us. And, uh, yes, I do respect, you know, colonels and generals and everything, but, you know, the common guys, really. He's, this guy's on the street. That's the, the street. That's, yeah. that's the guy, you know, you want to meet. You take care of everybody. And i got to tell you guys, I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but this, this is smooth. And like you said, it is affordable. It's not, you know, it's, it's not yeah. way up here where... And, and, I, and I recommend you guys, if you do go to Blackjack Mulligans or you go to some of the places here in town, uh, you go to the Glen Rock Inn. Glen Rock Inn also serves it. Uh, ask them for just a little taste. Try it out because it is, it is smoother than I expected. It really is. And, and, and kudos to you. I, guys, we're, we're here right now with the guy that blended the, the, the whiskeys together to get you... The Fighting Sixty Nine. That is so cool to me. You're like you're the artist. You're the you're, you're the artist. You're the you're the Manet of well, that, that's of nice. whiskey. I I have a good time. I, I actually I, I work overtime practicing doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you're um, you're a hands-on kind of guy. I'm, a, I'm very hands-on. I do a lot of tasting. Um, I go to Ireland about uh, every quarter to uh, get things done. A lot of times I've been over there. I had to actually stay in quarantine. Oh, I have all really? my I have all my barrel samples delivered to the hotel. So they, and, and they, left, they, they seriously? Yeah, they left my bar, they left my food, the barrel samples, and my blankets <laughs> and sheets outside the door. And I spent I spent five days at a time. So you just like wheel, you roll them in, do what you got to do, and they leave them outside in the hallway. I have to bring them in myself. Yeah. I Oh yeah, <laughs> you see what the, see what people go that's, through to get you the good people whiskey. think it's great to go overseas. You haven't quite been there yet to do certain parts of it, but yeah, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, well, we get it, we get it done. So uh, that's you know, and why don't I? Here's a good question for you. He didn't ask. Why don't I just have the samples sent over here? Wonderful. The problem is when you you take whiskey, uh, including some finer wines, and you put them on a plane. Oh, the pressure change. Affects it. Affects it a lot. And each time it lands and takes off. So if you send over FedEx, it lands in Indianapolis, then it goes someplace else. It's, it's, like, it's, like taking, it's like taking a bottle of Lafitte Rothschild and putting it in a milkshake machine. And it doesn't recover for weeks. Really? It's a mess. Oh, yeah. So when they bring it over, they bring it on ships, on boats? Always on ships. Always. All the whiskey that comes over is always on a ship. For the mo- yeah, for the most part, if it's smart. I've had things flown over for special press events, and I get nervous because and I, I don't make, like to admit I'm nervous, but because I know the pressure change makes a difference. So then I have to have the bottles cracked open. Never even think there. about that. Uh, I can show you things because I laugh because I may get bottles sometimes sent to me from other people in Europe, and I have to wait a couple of months before I even open up and look at it. 
So they're like, hey, what'd you think? Like, no, no, no. no call, call, really, call me in August. Yeah, that's what it is. It's, you know, a lot of things people don't realize. You know, we talked about um, ages of whiskeys and how about, um, you know, what, what makes whiskey age is the, um, the location in the, in the warehouse, the rick house, the rack house. So if it's up by this, what makes it age actually is temperature change, forcing it in and out of the wood. So if it's up by the ceiling on the upper ricks, it gets very hot in the summer. It's cold in the winter, so the wood opens and expands, and the, the whiskey ages relatively quickly. Where if you get it to the bottom of the rickhouse, like the bottom of a barn, where it's always cool, it hasn't changed, so it really hasn't aged. So the number may be the same, but it's not even close to being ready. So so the aging is, at, like if it says 70, I, I had a chance when I was in, in Taiwan, I had a chance to have 70-year-old mm-hmm. scotch. And again, I'm not a scotch drinker, and I, I couldn't tell you... You could probably say this is fifty year old, this is seventy year old. To me it tasted like scotch. But it's 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 legitimately seventy years. They don't they don't speed up do they speed up the aging process? They're, they're trying to do that nowadays with um, with heat exchanges, with pressure changes, with sonic waves. Really? They oh, can yeah. change the aging. They they try to change it. But there's other parts that'll show it up. But I'm laughing because um, uh, same dis- blender I worked with, Master Blender, Master Distiller. He said the large company they decided to take one of these giant rick houses and they artificially changed the temperatures on different floors to, to reflect to seasonal to, like, change. Seasonal change. And what he figured out because you just can't replace God and Mother Nature. Yeah, exactly. You, you can do anything you want, but it just doesn't work. So, um, and same thing. I've, I've had some. I've done. I've been privileged to go to some tremendous world class whiskey tastings, and um, you can tell. There's something wrong. It's, it's right, but there's something wrong. So kind of like a blow-up doll. You know, it looks good, but it just, <laughs> it's just not the same. It's just not. It's yeah, I mean, it's it's you've got, you know, how, how people taste the wines and smell the wines. It's, you you can do that with, like blind taste test. You could tell the good from the bad, right? Yeah, that's pretty easy to do. Isn't what, it? what are well? I mean, to me, you know, up until tasting the Fighting 69th, I was never because I you know I never. I never went for the higher end whiskeys or scotches. It was always give me a Doors, give me a Jameson. It was always you know mid shelf, you know whatever was available. And you were telling me earlier, Jameson. How much market share does Jameson so, have? Jameson does eighty five percent of the Irish whiskey in the 80, world. In the world, eighty five percent. Now, and, and the way, I, and I'm not trying to take away at all from anybody. They do some great stuff. Think of it as like Budweiser, and there's right. a lot of beers that are made that are. You know, a lot better beer. It depends on what you say, right? And, and I know you don't say it, but I'm going to say it. Yours, to me, was much better than Jameson's. So, thank you. Uh, it really a was. lot of people say the same thing. The big thing is is taste it. You know, um, just taste it. Uh, it's it's funny over time people get caught up. Uh, if you go back 30 years ago, Bushmills was king. Right, yeah. But now it's Jameson. Yeah. But people are changing. A lot of distilleries are building up. But um, I try to do something that makes it comfortable that you can have one, and you can have more. As you know, you can have more than one. Yeah. Like you want to yeah, have, you, can. you want you can drink more than one, and you're always you're not full, you're not hungover. There's no bitter aftertaste. It's yeah, you're not easy. hungover. You don't have a headache. You don't get any of that stuff. You're happy to see the dog. You're happy to see the bills in the mail. Everything's good. Everything you know? is that's right. You're, and you're supporting your, your the people that protect you. So that's right. A that's good thing. The, yeah. On top of everything else, that's now I, I have to ask you the differences because I feel like what's happened with the vodkas and and whiskeys and coffee and beer, all everything just blew up. There used to be just whiskey, vodka, 
beer, wine, now just blew up. What are the differences between an Irish whiskey, a bourbon, a Scotch whiskey? What 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 are the, the mm. fundamental in layman's term? You can get you can okay. get a little geeky so, on it because I, I do I, like well, the geeky part okay, of it. Okay, so the, the first thing we'll do is the, some of the terms. The word whiskey that's like saying cheese. Okay, whiskey is just it's a general it's a general, beer. It's, a, it's a general it's a yeah. general term. Yeah, brown goods. Okay, Canadian whiskey, Irish whiskey, Scotch, bourbon, rye. All whiskeys, right? Although Scotch, they leave out the e; they're too cheap to put the e in the print. So uh, <laughs> that's so, right. <laughs> you know, um, but there, there are different there are different laws uh, to keep it basically simple. Um, you've got to have a certain percentage of corn in, in American bourbon. You have to have a certain percentage of corn. But the biggest part is you have to you only can use the barrels once. Okay. When you make bourbon? When you make bourbon. You use, you use white oak and you have to use a virgin oak barrel. So once the barrel is used once and you empty it out, you have to sell it off for something else, which is where the Irish whiskeys, rum, scotch, they all buy those barrels. So they so so bourbon, US bourbon, once they use that seventy year old one barrel from a tree, that's it. Done and, once and done. One and right. done. One and, and done. And, yeah. and they, then they ship it off to other places. They, they ship them off to other places. They say, oh, that's a big business. Um, the, the problem is, is that 70 years ago, they never thought they'd be running out of white oak trees. Yeah. Well, they were once, one every 70 years. Giants. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to have a, you know, raise a farm for those things. So um, the price of barrels used to be really inexpensive. You could actually, we said, you could go to a local garden center and buy half barrels for, for your potted plants. But now those barrels have recently, the last few years, have gone for a new barrel. It can be up to $300. For a barrel. For a barrel. And you use it once. Because, and the weird thing is, the big guys that bought the stands of, of white oak, they're not paying a penny more. But the other guys that have to buy them now, they're paying five times. Right. But meanwhile, they use those barrels once and they sell them all. And how much do you get from a barrel? You get about, uh, depending upon, about 50, about 50, about 300 bottles. 300 about, bottles. You know, but, uh, but that depends upon the, you know, it, it can be up to a uh, certain proof. And it uh, depends where it was where it was aged. In the, the rick house, you have a certain, if, if it's certain areas, you get a lot of water comes out from the aging and the proof goes up. Right, right. I don't want to say, but in it, so that your yield may change. Okay. And then also, what are you going to? You're going to. Uh, you're going to do a cast strength. You're going to do an 86 proof, 80 proof. Right. Uh, and it depends, but yeah, that's about what you get roughly. So bourbon is uniquely an American thing. Bourbon is. Is it all only from Kentucky? Oh no, not at all. That's a that's there, a popular misconception. Yeah, it's everywhere. Bourbon. As long as you follow the rules, yeah. As long as it's made American white oak, 50 50 percent corn. Um, you only can only can distill to a certain proof. There's certain parts that you can do, and you can, and, and that was probably Kentucky's fault. They didn't ever uh, do that part of it. You say, oh, it has to be made in you know in. They should they should have just trademarked the word bourbon. They I mean, didn't. Duh. Uh, it's they didn't. And um, <laughs> you know, and then they talk about oh, you know, uh, Jack Daniel sour mash or whatever it is, and it's it's sour. a lot of people using mash these days. What it's is just, mash? What's mash? It's, it's just how you you finish the, the grains um, by. By making them and, and just, um, you can make malt. You can take certain parts and you can wet them, and it helps them start to germinate. And the germination then causes a different type of sugar to develop, and then they stop the germination so they have the sugar come out. Um, and that's mash. But a lot of people do that nowadays. Uh, if you say the word malt, actually all that is is barley that's been 
malted or have been germinated and they stop the situation. With scotch, they use the way they stop the germination is they use heat, and the heat they use is peat, and the peat is smoke, and therefore you have it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's where the flavor comes from. And, the, and, a, and a, a quick sidebar, why is sipping scotches taste differently? Well, the peat is actually is just rotted you know, vegetable matter. So if you've got a peat that came by by the ocean, then it has a lot uh, of sea got, life in it. You've got right, 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 right. Whereas if it's mainly inland, it's pure heather. So you have light floral ones. So think of it like uh, barbecue. If it's mesquite, you can smell that. Right. And different woods, you can smell the same thing with, with different types of peat. It goes through that way. So it's uh, the different flavors come in. So it's, it gets pretty interesting. So you got, um, so you got bourbon. You got, what's rye? So rye is just another grain. It's rye, and it makes it a little bit spicier. Okay. And then they make a mash bill. So they make they find out what grains they like together. They they grind up to a certain consistency, and they use that as their mash bill. And uh, a lot of geeks want to know what the mash bill is. I don't know why they care. It makes no difference. But it goes in. Like real whiskey drinkers will say, "What's the mash?" Bill? Oh, they want to know. They'll, they'll, they'll say, say that. Oh yeah, what's the mash bill? What's this? What was the char on the barrel? I'm like, what was the char on the barrel? Yeah, was how much you, you char, when you make the barrels, you, you literally, you char the insides, and it releases um, flavors of vanilla or um, caramel or different types of sugars in coming out. Uh, you do the same thing, actually. You, you toast a wine barrel to get some vanilla coming out. It, it gets kind of crazy. Now, an interesting thing is here, when we make bourbon, we take the different grain mash bill and we... We distill them all together. We do the whole thing together. In Canada, they distill each grain separately. Really? Age it separately, and then they they do the they they blend them together. Oh, it's it's more it's more complicated than you possibly could imagine. What does that do to the taste? I mean, does that improve the taste? It just changes the taste. It gives gives you three thousand more colors to the palate to to work with. Oh my god! It's it's like you know I'll use some seven year this, some fourteen year that. Oh, it's it's off the charts, but it it can get very complex. Um, Irish whiskey, all the grain has to be raised in Ireland. All the water used is Irish. The this, this distillation, everything is done in Ireland. At 100%. 100%. By law. By law. You know? They have, so they you have know if you're drinking an Irish whiskey, like, like Fighting 69, mm-hmm. if it says Irish whiskey, 100% of it, uh, all the components, everything else, Ireland. It's all union approved, so to speak. It's yeah, all been yeah. done over there. Um, it's it's a nice part to it, you know. It's nice to know, and they don't they don't add colorings. They they keep it all they keep it very natural. Uh, scotch is much the same way in certain parts, although scotch they can add uh, the grains, they can use the water, but they can add one artificial ingredient, and that's a caramel coloring to make it consistent because oh. it depends upon the barrel. But that's got each each country has different rules. They add the d- does everybody add, does no, everybody they, add coloring? No. Really? They wanted to be consistent. But they can. Yeah. They Remember, can. in Europe, you know, in Scotland and Ireland, whereas in the U.S., we only use the barrels once. Well, there, yeah, they can use the barrels as many times as they want. So the color coming out, the color that comes out of whiskey, when you first distill it, everything is clear as water. The color comes from the barrel, from the toasted barrel. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. So It's, it's not from the ingredients themselves. It's no. how it's how that charred You know when barrel. they make moonshine, it's always clear water? Well, that's what it is. It's clear. It comes from the barrel. So if it's sitting in a barrel, like, so that is, is it like the deeper, the color, I mean, it, does the color consistency, does the, the clarity, not really? The, the clarity, they, there's a lot of, there's, when it comes out of the barrel, they have to filter it. 
They or, do. Or, they it's, do. or it's like it's yeah, like peanut butter, smooth and crunchy. And gra- <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to take out. It's a fire sale. But um, that's what adds the color. Yeah, but they can add color if they want to. Because if you use a barrel again and again, you could have flavor, but it could be a very light color. It could be a color of a Chablis right. versus the color. Because you've of already used up all the char. Yeah. So they can just add color. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know. Uh, but then, but then again, you go back to bourbon. Bourbon has that that first and only b- barrel. They just, they just use yeah, it once. But now, but on. now you can get into secondary. Eight, you can use secondary expression. Right. Well, like Angel's Envy, they take bourbon, but after it's all done, they then put it in a ruby in ruby port barrels, and it gives it, it some port, flavor. In port barrels. But first, it was aged in the virgin oak barrels. Aged in the virgin oak, and then they put it in a port barrel. Port barrel. Like port wine And that barrel. gives it a little bit of color, too. Right, right. And, get a little and, bit and change the flavor. And a little bit of change of flavor, yeah. Secondary secondary uh, cast finish, it's called. I, I don't know about you guys, but... It's very simple to me, but I guess it can sound confusing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I, and I use for the... For the um, for the 69th, we use some some port barrels uh, from, and they're all. That's now we're talking about European oak. We use some we use some sherry cask uh, and different shaped barrels. Yeah, how, does, how does sherry how does sherry cask affect the uh, the taste? You can you can put in different. It depends on the sherry. You can put in sweetness other parts. Um, the one I use is a particular sherry. As I mentioned before, I think it offhand that whiskey by itself is horrible, but I put a very small percentage of it in to uh, take the bite off without making it cloyingly sweet, and it makes it almost like a honey, uh, a honey background, very slight. Everything, I try to do nuances versus flat out in your face hitting you with flavors. You know, and, and I'm, I'm not a connoisseur at all when it comes to that, but I can tell you that if that's what makes it taste better, keep doing it, because you know, it, it really is It really is a smooth know, taste. We try to make it balanced, so uh, when it goes in... And it's consistent. Oh, yeah, it's consistent. That's my, Those are those... Every twelve weeks to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> that's um, so. How many bottles do they manufacture per month? How do you do it? Look at it per month, year. Depends upon the week. situation. No, because they're doing it four times, three, four times a year. Um, we'll probably do about a hundred thousand bottles this time. Okay. Um, you know, it's it's. And not, do you randomly taste like? You go around and just randomly taste bottles. I, I, no, no, we we blend in a very large. They blend in very large. We taste each. I taste each barrel. We put it together in the tanks, in large blending tanks, and let it sit about a few days, and then they go. And then you go and taste. Right, right, right. And it's not going to be finished, but I have a pretty good idea what to adjust. Like, give me that barrel of so and so, which has a deeper flavor of this. Or that, so I can make it very consistent. Right. You know, and it's, so it's, each one, because that's the, that's the, you know, it's not like a bottle. I, once in my life, we opened, we had a big dinner. We were at a trade show in San Francisco. At a big dinner, it was like twelve of us. And the one guy ordered, you know, a bunch of bottles of wine, and he's like, "Ah, just pour it out." And it, pour. And it, one of the bottles was rancid. It was just gone. It was vinegar. It was awful. And that's what the one thing you want is consistency. You want to open. You want to know that every time you pour, no matter when you buy the bottle, it's always going to be that same flavor that you love. Yeah. So we, we do that. Um, it's consistent. One thing is different about wine versus versus distilled spirits. Once it's once distilled spirits are taken out of the barrel and put in the bottle, they have stopped aging. That's it. Oh really? It's, a, it's an anime. It's done. It's done. Whereas wine will keep aging. Yeah, yeah. In a bottle. 
Spirits do not. That's it. So once you take it, as soon as you take it out of the barrel, is it because of the interaction with the barrel that, that stops yeah. it from aging? So if you found, like, Grandpa's whiskey that was 30 years old, now I think it's 60 years old. No, it's 30 years it's old. Still 30 years it's still 30 years old. <laughs> the label is 60 years old. You know? Right, right, right. You know, that's, why, that's why when you see, like, 50-year-old scotch, 60-year-old scotch, 30-year-old scotch, it doesn't matter if it's been sitting there for 40 years. It's 30-year-old scotch. What it went in as, right. And yeah. when you see like a scotch or an Irish whiskey or even an American whiskey, and it says uh, 10 years of age, that means that's the youngest whiskey in there. There could be there could be 95% of it could be 25 years of age. But if you've got a youngest, you have to give it the youngest. Interesting. That's, those are the rule. That's a consistent rule. Yeah. You know, so oh, across the board. Across the board. Well, Chris, I, I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, guys... It's it's the fighting 69th, you know, and, and look it up. Look up the story of the 69th. I mean, the history is unbelievable. The fact that, and I know I didn't know it, and I'm sure a lot of people listening didn't know the fact that every St. Patrick's Day parade since the beginning, in the 1800s, is led by the fighting 69th. That that is unbelievable. So I had no idea. I had no idea. So fighting 69th, it's available at Beekman's. Available at 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 Diamond Liquor is available at Golf Road. It's available at a lot of liquor stores. If your liquor store in particular does not carry it, tell them, listen, Chris Leskowitz told me you guys need to order this and you guys need to bring it in. And same thing with the restaurants in, in our towns. Glen Rock Inn has it. We've got it at Blackjack Mulligans, a couple places in town. Celtic Corner, I'm going to talk to those guys. If they don't carry it where you go, Tell them, ask for the owner and say, you guys need to bring in the Fighting 69th because every bottle goes to help the, uh, the families of, of these guys that have just been protecting us for, for 100, almost, almost 150 years, 170 years. So, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. My I appreciate it. Glad you have me out. This has been a wonderful day. And, and i got to tell you guys, you know, we've had a couple, not going to lie. I, I walked here. I've been drinking water the whole time, in case my wife is listening. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he has. I testify to that. I've been Irish drinking, water. I've been drinking his glasses, and uh, I've had to go to the bathroom for the last twenty minutes. So we're going to sign off. Uh, thank you again, Chris. I really appreciate it. And, it's a handshake and, going on, folks. And on your next trip, listen, guys. If 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 I'm able to go, uh, I will I will fund the trip. I will go. I'll bring my video equipment, and we will videotape so you can see the whole process of how the Irish make their Irish whiskey. I think that would be awesome if they if they allow something like that. So uh, thanks again. And, and guys, go out, support the Fighting 69th. If you're whiskey drinkers, if you, if you don't like whiskey, at least try it. Because, again, I'm, I'm, I'm devout now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be an Irish, a Fighting 69th drinker. And i got to tell you, if you like Moscow Mules, you got to try a, a Fighting 69 Mule. Fighting Mule. Right. Fighting Mule. Just ask for the Fighting Mule. They know it at Blackjack Mulligan's. It's the Irish whiskey with the uh, the ginger beer and a little lime. All right, thanks again, Chris. All right, be well, everybody.